Well, one of the wonderful gifts that we have at Grace Bible Church is an awesome team of elders. I want to welcome one of our elders, Brian Dosa, who's a friend. He's a, uh, the director of public works at Fort Hood and uh, just recently retired from active duty in the military. He's got a beautiful wife, Roberta, and I think most of his kids are here as well, father and grandfather now as well. So Times three. Times three, yeah, that's awesome. So I think a few of them are here. All right, well, thank you for sharing with us. We appreciate you being with us this morning. Here's a clicker for you. Okay, thank you, Dave, uh, for the opportunity this morning. Thanks to the Milken family uh, and the worship team for leading us this morning. You guys are awesome. We appreciate you. Okay, well, if you haven't figured it out, uh, 2012 uh, is drawing to a quick end, uh, and 2013 will soon be here. And so the question is, uh, what kind of a year was it uh, last year for you? and for your family. I'd ask you this morning just to maybe consider uh, looking back over the past year and and ask yourself, you know, as a a country, I think we experienced some pretty good highs and some pretty low valleys uh, in 2012. I mean, I think of uh, some of the highs, I'm a sports fan, kind of come to me, I think of the Summer Olympics, uh, the summer in London. Uh, I think of uh, Michael Phelps and Missy Franklin. I think of volleyball beach volleyball teams, I think of incredible runners uh, that just did great uh, for America. It's a good year to be a Giants fan, right? The Giants won the Super Bowl, uh, and then the Giants won the World Series. Go figure. Pretty interesting. Uh, Two straight Heismans from the state of Texas. Uh, That's pretty good. Um, And I guess best of all, the world did not come to an end in 2012. Uh, But if you think also there have been some pretty low valleys uh, for our nation this year. I mean, certainly didn't affect us very much uh, here, but Hurricane Sandy brought incredible devastation uh, to the East Coast. I think uh, some folks there are probably still without power. I mean, as the director of public works, those kind of things get at me. me. But um, how about the shootings, the recent shootings in Newtown, Connecticut? Just awful uh, and maybe even made us forget about the shootings that happened this past summer in Colorado in Aurora. We had uh, some terrible attacks overseas in Benghazi where we had an ambassador and some of his staff that were killed. I mean, so the lows were pretty significant as well. There's some things that, frankly, haven't played out for 2012. We're not sure about the fiscal cliff. We're right at the edge. Not sure what's going to happen there. And there's certainly in the world some tensions and Things going on in Syria and Egypt that we're not sure how those are going to play out. So 2012 was an interesting year nationally. Here at Grace Bible Church, if we look back over 2012 and recently the elders kind of reflected back, um, I think in terms of highs, we saw several people come to Christ this past year, and many of those came from came out of unchurched uh, backgrounds, and, and that's really what it's all about. And that's that was certainly one of our highlights. We saw some discipleship and ministry leaders being trained. Appreciate Dave taking time and the staff to work with, with men who will be able to go forward and lead other congregations. I think that was a success. We formed a building committee uh, this past year, and I'm going to roll out for you just a little bit about that. I uh, appreciate uh, Fred Shelton and Oscar Rocco and, and others who have taken part in that, and, and that's exciting as we go forward. But we also experienced some, some challenges and some lows in 2012, I think we, we have marriages in our community 
Uh, and here at Grace Bible Church, that are under fire. I think more than a decade uh, of wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, deployments year on, year off, uh, are taking a toll on marriages. And we've got some marriages that are under fire. And I think that was certainly a challenge looking back. Uh, several of you have struggled with some pretty serious health issues this past year. Uh, and frankly, uh, we've lost some, we, we live in a town, that, you know, military town, and we expect people to come and go. It's part of the normal uh, cycle for, for the military. And, but this past year, I think we lost several really core families that have been with us for several years and been integral in the ministry here. And I think that was, that was kind of difficult as well. So, but how about you personally? How was 2012 as you look back? You know, one of the things that we do in the Army uh, that's actually considered a best practice and is even taught at places like the Harvard Business School is we conduct something that's called an after-action review, an AAR. Many of you know that process. You've taken part in that. Many different uh, AARs take many different shapes and sizes. There's a picture of, of one. Sometimes they're very formal. I've sat through... Uh, AARs at the National Training Center where you have live video feeds that show you what you did right and what you did wrong and uh, tapes of your radio conversations and they're led by skilled observer controllers and they're very formal. And then there's some AARs that are kind of more informal. This maybe is more of an informal where you sit down after the fact and you review, hey, what, what happened in this particular training event or this particular thing that we did? What happened and how can we get better the next time? That's really kind of the, the main theme of an AAR is to try to be a learning organization. Try to learn from the things that we did not so good so that we can do better in the future. And so at the end of an AAR, you typically want to walk away with two things, right? You want to walk away with a couple sustains. That's what we call them. Those are things that you did, you think you did pretty well. And you'd like to continue to do well on those going into the future. And then you want to develop, take away a couple improves. Those are things that, hey, we didn't do so well on that particular thing. And we'd like to do better uh, in the future with that. So what I'd like to do this morning for our time together is just kind of do a little bit of self-reflection on 2012. But do it in a way that we're trying to get better and improve for 2013. There's probably some things that... We can share together that we did pretty well in 2012. We'd like to continue those. And there's probably some things we didn't do quite so well, and we'd like to improve uh, as we go forward. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to bless our time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity uh, to worship. Thank you the freedom for the freedom to gather uh, together to consider your word. And I pray, Lord, that you just meet with us here this morning. You'd speak to us. I pray that you would give, give us ears to hear. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so when you do an AAR, typically the first thing you do is you go back and you say, what was the mission? What were we supposed to have accomplished in this particular event or training exercise? And so let's go back to the basics here at GBC. Okay, what are we all about at GBC? Well, uh, you can see up on the screen our vision that we exist to glorify God by multiplying followers of Christ among every people group. And we take that right out of the of the great commission given to us by Jesus in Matthew 28. And what, so what does that look like? Okay, you've probably seen this before, but we, our, our name is Grace Bible Church. 
and we kind of roll that out into a mission statement or a discipleship path that we want to trust God's grace and we say attend weekly worship services. So we come together like we are this morning and that's so we can be encouraged and challenged and we can learn about what that looks like to trust God's grace. We want to submit to the Bible and community. And we believe that the best way to do that is in small groups. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Okay, but that's a place that you can fellowship, that you can interact with other believers. And then we want to be the church. Okay, we spend a very small part of our week here at the campus of Grace Bible Church or, or in a small group. Most of the time we spend out of the workplace, school, or at the home. Okay, and that's where we want to live out. We want to be the church by serving others for Christ. Okay, so we developed, uh, and we've had four, six, <laughs> get my numbers right here, six core values. Okay, these are what we call practices that mark us, things that we hold to uh, as we try to live out that vision and mission. Uh, and you can see them off the screen there. Okay, the first one is proclaiming Christ. Okay, that's typically what we do here on Sunday morning. Okay, and I think you would agree with me that we're blessed with an incredible uh, staff of pastors, a teaching pastor, that when we come on Sunday morning, we know we're going to hear from God's word, we're going to hear from God, and the word's going to be proclaimed. Okay? We're also involved with proclaiming Christ every day as we live in our work, we live in our workplace and as we interact with different people. Missional communities is one I'm going to spend a little bit more time on here this morning, uh, but small groups of friends growing in faith and bringing hope to their cities. Okay? We believe that at Grace Bible Church, that you need to do more than attend morning worship services, that you need to be involved in some sort of a small group, and we'll kind of roll that out a little bit. Authentic worship, okay? We're blessed with an incredible worship team. Chris Webster and the, and the team are just bring us absolutely first-class worship every Sunday, and when he's gone, boy, we got the Milken family or people step right up and continue to do just an incredible job of leading us. But is that worship? Well, certainly part of worship, but is worship more than that? We're going to talk a little bit about that one as well. Leadership development, we want to certainly be developing leaders uh, who can take, uh, can lead small groups, who can go on and do great things. And so leadership development is one of our core practices. Uh, global outreach, okay, I like that. Strategic partnerships with the people who bring hope to every nation. We believe that Grace Bible Church exists for more than just us, okay? God's interested in doing work here in Central Texas, but you know what? He's doing work other places in the world, and we want to partner with him on that. And we're going to explore that one a little bit this morning as well. And then lastly, dependent prayer. And that should probably be first. But uh, very, very exciting things happen in our body with dependent prayer. I appreciate Jeff Spivey and Laura Shepard uh, leading and teaching, encouraging people uh, to pray. There's Sunday school class you can get involved in. Uh, and frankly, it's just praying. Okay, there's not a whole lot. There's some things you can learn, but a lot of it's just praying, getting in there and praying. And that's certainly one of our core values uh, here at Grace. Okay, so at the beginning of uh, last year, or this year, beginning of 2012, okay, Dave uh, and the elders said, there's some critical needs we have going into this year that we'd like to focus on, uh, focus our attention. I think most of you have probably seen these. Okay, and they kind of fall into the expanding and the deepening categories. So in terms of expanding, we really wanted to see some growth in our evening service. We have a five o'clock worship service. I think most of you know that, okay? 
Uh, currently doing pretty good, about 75 to 100 folks attend that service, but we could, there's room for more. Okay, why do we want to have a, a third worship service? Why do we want to have an evening service? Well, frankly, it's to free up space in the service. Because most people that are coming to Grace for the first time, okay, or maybe visitors or uh, folks that are just checking us out, they're going to come at 10.30. They're probably not going to come at 9. Okay, it's a little early for some, and they're probably not used to coming to church in the evening. So they're probably going to say, we want to create space in this service. And the way you can help us do that is by attending the evening service or attending the 9 o'clock service. We also ask God to give us some clarity for our future. Okay, we realize that the buildings that we're in right now at Grace Bible Church are probably not going to serve us into the future. God continues to bless this body we continue to grow. And so at the beginning of the year, we really didn't know what that was going to look like. And we really wrestled in prayer, and I'm going to share a little bit more about the direction that we're moving in uh, in terms of that. Okay, the other areas in terms of deepening, finding an apprentice and owning the vision, those are really more personal, okay? But I would encourage you to take the, the mission statement, the core values, and see how those apply to me. Okay, grace and Bible and church, I'm not internalizing those. What do those mean for me? What do they mean for my family? Okay, so what I'd like to do is just pick up three of those core values. Dave wouldn't give me enough time to do six. So I'm going to pick three. Okay, and let's kind of look. Let me go to this next one here. What I'd like to do is kind of do some self-reflection. And I'd encourage you, we talk about an AAR, sustain and improve. Okay, so as we share and kind of go through this, I'd ask you to maybe jot down or think about what are a couple things that I personally or that my family, that we'd like to continue to do in 2013? What are some things that we could maybe do better in 2013 as we roll this out corporately? So the first is uh, missional communities. Okay, this one's kind of a, a difficult to, to get our arms around sometimes. You know, missional, missional, if you type that in Microsoft Word or PowerPoint, you get a little red underline underneath it. Okay, I don't think missional is actually a word, not a dictionary. But I think the definition that we have up there is actually pretty good. A group of believing friends who grow in their faith together and bring hope to their city. So if you have a Bible, open up to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's some uh, there in the, in the pews. Uh, and if you're picking up one from the pew, we're going to turn to page 1007. So Hebrews chapter 10. Page 1007, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let's try to unpack this idea of a missional community a little bit. So um, writer of the Hebrews in verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we say missional communities. Well, that means that the communities have a mission. That's a good army term, right? We like mission. What's the mission of the missional communities? When we have small groups or groups of people that are gathering together, what's the mission? What are we trying to accomplish? Okay, well, in the writer of the Hebrews tells us that consider how to stir one another up. We need to be stirred up. Okay? And the way that stirring occurs is by meeting together in smaller groups to take the things that God's teaching us and to share them. Stirred up for what? Okay, Stirred up for love, 
Stir one another up to love and good works. So we need some help being able to love. You know, in, in John chapter 13, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, a new commandment I give you to love one another. And this is kind of the key part. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the way we love each other here in grace and the way we act towards people that we come in contact with, with the way we love, that's going to be a, a witness to the world, to people that don't know Christ. That's going to speak to them maybe louder than our words. Sometimes we need to be stirred up to love. We need to be stirred up to good works. In Galatians 6, 9, and 10, uh, Paul encourages not to become weary in doing good. We need to be about good works. We know that the good works aren't what saves us. We're not going to earn God's favor by doing good works, but because we love God, because we have a relationship, because we're changed, as a result of that, we should be doing good works. And guess what? We need to be stirred up to do those good works. We need encouragement from other people. So what do missional communities, what do small groups look like? What are kind of the, you know, we currently have about 20 small groups that meet. Some are more Bible studies, some are more home groups. But if you uh, look in, I think there in your pews, there's a little pamphlet like this, small groups. We have about 20 and they meet uh, different days of the week, different places, Harker Heights, Colleen, some here at the church. Uh, even in Copper's Cove, we've got small groups. But what would be the, what are the things that you do in a small group? Maybe you've never been to a small group. Well, I would say there's a couple things, core practices. The first is we like to eat at a small group, right? There's got to be some kind of food. Maybe it's a meal, maybe it's snacks. Uh, but uh, I think God's word uh, is certainly uh, something that's core to a, to a small group that's important. Uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Training. Why? so that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There we go again. There's the good works. Okay, As we meet together, as we consider God's word, that's going to spur us on, going to correct us and train us and teach us so that we can do those good works. I think prayer is another key component to the small groups. Okay, James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins to one another and to pray for each other. So we're commanded to pray for each other. Okay? Kind of hard to pray for everybody in this room, right? Okay? But it's a little bit easier if you meet in a small group of a dozen folks, 10, 12, 15 folks, and you have an opportunity to share some prayer requests. Maybe you're going to meet one-on-one and an accountability partner. Share those needs and you can pray for each other. It makes it more practical. makes it more doable. It's really, small groups are really about doing life together. You know, I've had the privilege of co-leading a study with uh, Oscar Rocco, uh, for the last few years, you know, what do we do in our small group? When we come together, we, we look at God's word, we pray together, but a lot of it's just talking, interacting, living life together, finding out one of the challenges that, you know, that this fellow's going through or this couple's going through, and how, do we, how can we meet those challenges together? How can we pray for you? How can we encourage you? Uh, and yes, we do eat as well, so it's good. So what are some of the benefits of small groups? Okay, well, I've kind of described some. I think Small groups will help you grow in your relationship with Christ. It'll help you take the things that you're hearing 
on Sunday morning and maybe go deeper into those things. They'll give you an opportunity uh, to be encouraged. Okay, back in Hebrews 10, okay, in, in 25, it says, uh, in the habit of not neglecting to meet together is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you draw, see the day drawing near. We need to be encouraged, okay? We tend to be discouraged. That's the natural tendency is to be discouraged. And we need encouragement. We need to meet together for that uh, encouragement. Uh, small groups give you an opportunity to serve others with your gifts. God's given each one of you gifts, spiritual gifts, talents, and abilities. Small groups gives you an opportunity to use those to serve other people. Another benefit of, of small groups, I believe, is um, I believe they really help marriages, for those of you that are marriage. I mentioned earlier that I believe that our, our marriages in our community, in the military community, Fort Hood, uh, here in, in Grace, uh, are under fire, are under stress. Uh, and I believe that um, going to a small group, attending a small group together is something you can do to help strengthen your marriage. Now, last week, Dave told us that the best thing you can do for your marriage is pray. Okay, so this isn't as good as praying together. You want to continue to pray together. Okay, but meeting together, attending a small group together with your wife, I believe will help you grow together as a couple. You've probably seen this diagram before. Um, In the middle there, you can't really read it very well, but it says marriage. Okay, so you have man and woman married. Okay, if man and woman want to grow together, husband and wife want to grow closer together and their relation closer in their relationship to each other, they want to have a deeper marriage. Okay, how can you do that? Well, there's a number of different things, but growing individually in your relationship with the Lord will draw you closer to each other. So as the man and the woman go up that slope of the triangle, growing closer to God, their marriage is going to grow as well. And so I would encourage you many benefits of small groups. Uh, If you're married, though, this is one that I think will really help. And if you're struggling in your marriage, get in a small group where you can get some encouragement and get some help. Maybe you can learn uh, from another couple uh, that can model some things for you. We have some ministries in our church that are specifically focused on marriages. Adam and Laura Brown do a tremendous job, you know, but they can only reach so many. We've had some Sunday school classes on marriage, uh, and those have been great, but there's only been a few that have attended. Okay, but I'll tell you, so if you're marriage, and we all have struggles in our marriages, okay, attend a small group, uh, and that will help. So how did we do in 2012 in small groups? A missional community. Okay, well, I already said it. We have about 20 uh, groups meeting about every night of the week in a different form. So that's pretty good. Um, we like to do better. So that maybe that's a sustained, but maybe the improved part is go beyond uh, the 20 groups. Um, I really appreciate Stephen Watson. Uh, and the effort he's taken to encouraging and equipping our small group leaders. Each one of those 20 groups has got a leader, okay? Or maybe some have more than one, maybe a couple co-leaders. But So he's got some, some things he's done this past year, and so I think that's certainly a sustain. The elders recently uh, have spent time just praying for the small group leaders, and we've kind of divided up the small group leaders to try and encourage them and, and give them a resource for somebody to talk to. We'll continue to do that as we go into 2013. Um, I also want to mention one of our small groups is Celebrate Recovery. Uh, if you haven't realized it, there's a lot of hurting people in our community. Lots of hurting people. Okay, Celebrate Recovery on Monday night is a ministry that's focused on helping some of those hurting people that are struggling with addictions. 
great, great ministry. That's certainly a highlight as I look back in 2012. Appreciate very much uh, Don Powers, uh, Bobby Hoops, and, and many others who have worked uh, with the CR ministry. There's opportunities for you all to pitch in and jump in with CR as well, but that's certainly something we want to sustain going into 2013. So how can we improve in the area of missional communities as we look forward to the new year? Okay, well, first of all, I'd say if you're not part of a small group now, I would encourage you to become part of a small group. Consider, you know, which one meets your needs, uh, which one is the right night of the week, uh, the right location, etc. But I would encourage everyone to join a small group. If all of you try to join a small group, we're not going to have enough. Okay, so we need to have some more small groups. 20 is good, but we'd like to have some more. Okay, so I think going into 2013, I'm not going to put a number on it, but we'd like to generate some, some additional, some more small groups to give some more options. So what's the kind of the critical path or the critical things to get a small group going? Okay, you need a host and you need a leader. Those two things. Okay, so I'd encourage you all to, to think about, you know, is God calling you to host a small group? Okay, is God calling you maybe to lead a small group or co-lead a small group? Okay, maybe that's way beyond what you can even imagine. Maybe you just need to join a small group. But some of you, I bet, could lead a small group. And I'd encourage you to talk to Stephen or, or Dave or one of us about the possibility of, of starting a small group uh, going into 2013. A good model that's worked for Oscar and I, okay, because we each have day jobs, okay, and keep us pretty busy, is we co-lead, okay? And what we do is the month uh, that I lead, it's my house, okay, then the next month it flips over to the Arako's house and Oscar will lead. So we kind of go back and forth. So it gives me and Oscar an opportunity to lead, but it also gives us a month where we're off. So that's a model. So I would encourage maybe considering co-leading as a way of... uh, of going forward. And then lastly, in terms of uh, 2013, I would encourage you all to consider, if you don't already have an accountability partner, uh, someone that you could share with, that you could meet with on a regular basis and pray for one another. A lot of times when we think about small groups, we really focus on those kind of home groups or Bible studies. But there's a whole lot of value, tremendous value, in meeting together one-on-one or in maybe a group of two or three, you know, where people can... Um, Feel free to share some things they might not share in a larger group, uh, and you can pray for each other. That's, that's when we talk about missional communities, it's all part. Small groups, accountability partners, uh, all kind of wrapped together. Okay, so as we look uh, forward to uh, 2013 and consider 2012, uh, the second area I'd like to look at is authentic worship. Okay, we say that authentic worship is gathering for worship that is sacred, yet understandable. So what is worship? It's worship when we meet here on Sunday morning and sing praises and um, sing songs together. Well, that's certainly part of worship. Louis Giglio said that worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is, for what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. John Piper said, Worship is strong affections for God, rooted in and shaped by the truth of Scripture. This is the bone and marrow of biblical worship. So worship involves our whole life. In fact, we could spend a whole message on 
worship or even probably a whole series of messages on worship, but I'd like to focus on, on one area. Every Sunday, you hear during the announcements that worship, that giving is a part of worship. Okay, and Dave or whoever's doing the announcements talks a little bit about the fact we don't pass a plate here at Grace Bible Church, but there's a box in the back, and we'd like you to consider how you might partner with us. So let's kind of unpeel that, unpack that a little bit, and peel that out and see what that looks like uh, here at Grace Bible Church. I'd like to uh, go back to Hebrews. So if you could look in your Bible, uh, if you're in 11, you just have to flip over a couple pages to Hebrews chapter 13. And I'd like to look at two verses, Hebrews 13, 15 to 16. That'll be on uh, page 1,010. Okay, so the writer of the Hebrews uh, tells us then, starting in verse 15, through him, that's through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So I think from that scripture, and we could look at many, many others, that giving, that what we do with the resources that God's given us is a part of the way we express our worship, a part of the way we worship God. You know, Dave Ramsey, some of you know him, uh, says that 53% of Christians have not given to their church in the last month. Not sure where he got those numbers from, but um, throw them out there. Okay, and then he says, not only that, but the church hasn't exceeded 3% as a portion of income in 40 years. Not, okay, 3% is a magic number. We're going to talk a little bit about the tithe here in a second, but uh, 3% seems a little bit low. But how about the Bible? Let's go back and look and see in Malachi chapter 3. So Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you can find Matthew... Then you just have to go left, back to Malachi. Read a couple verses there in chapter 3, starting with verse 6. Actually, I'll start in verse 8. So Malachi 3, uh, page 802 in your Bible, starting in verse 8. Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How did we do in 2012 in giving? Okay few numbers I'll put up on the screen there for you to consider. Uh, as we started out 2012, okay, we set a budget of $600,000. We took a look at, and I'm going to show you a pie chart that kind of breaks that out, but we said in order to run Grace Bible Church for a year, is going to cost us $600,000. So using our math skills, we divided that by 12, and we said we need to have a monthly target of $50,000 a month. So that's what's been in your bulletin during the past year. Uh, and you can see that we exceeded that. Okay, we were just a little bit shy of uh, $51,000 uh, each month. And for that, we're very thankful and very appreciative to you all who contributed and partnered with us. You can see at the bottom under expenses there, 
uh, we did pretty good. Okay, we said we were going to spend 600000 and we spent just a tad over 600000 in 2012. Okay, we also said that, that we need to start putting away some money towards a building fund. But again, we don't believe that the buildings and the facilities we have right now, they're awesome now, but they're probably not going to be good for the future. We said we're going to pray about what the future is going to look like, but we need to start putting some money aside. So we challenged you all, challenged the congregation, $2,000 a month, and that we would match that out of our budget with $2,000 to put some money uh, into the building fund, a kind of a separate account. And you can see that uh, thanks to a, we were a little bit tracking a little bit low for the year, but thanks to a very generous gift uh, in December, we actually ended up the year uh, just a little bit over $2,000 a month. Okay, so that 2000 plus the 2000 that we match out of our budget puts us at about $50,000 um, that we put into the saving, into the building fund for next year. Okay, that's good. It's a good start, and I'll talk about that's really going to be enough uh, here in a minute. Okay, so if we look at the, the budget for 2012, here's a, I'm an engineer, so I like pie charts and numbers and kind of roll this out for you. You know, how could we spend... $600,000 last year. How did we spend the money in 2012? Well, if you kind of start up in the top, there's a little chunk of pie that's about uh, blue, light blue color. It's a 10%. Okay, the first thing we do is we say we're going to take a tithe, a 10% of all the income, and we're going to give that to Global Outreach. We're going to take that and share it with uh, those who are serving in other places, uh, some here, but a lot that are serving outside of this area, who have given themselves full-time to Christian service. Okay, so that's 10%. Okay, kind of going clockwise with me now. The next little slice of the pie there that's the orange or red color, about 12%. Those are ministry expenses. Okay, those are the things we need to do that we need to pay to do ministry. So celebrate recovery, okay, Sunday school materials. A lot of that money, frankly, is spent on child care. Okay, for the worship service, for the small groups that meet. Okay, so those are kind of ministry expenses to include benevolence. Okay, so we give money out of our budget every month to support Hope Pregnancy Center, to hope to support some uh, food center, a food center down in uh, Colleen that serves people that are not, not as well off as us, that have physical needs. Okay, so benevolence is included in that one as well. Okay, continuing around the big orange piece, I think is almost half of our budget is for staff salaries, okay? Our pastors like to be paid. Uh, they have bills. Uh, they have mortgages that they need to pay and cars that they need to purchase, and they have families they need to take care of. And certainly, we want to take care of uh, our pastors and the staff, okay? So the largest part of our budget, frankly, just goes to taking care of uh, our pastors and staff, uh, making sure that they're paid, making sure they have health insurance and, and those types of things. Okay, then kind of going around to the blue piece, a fairly large, I think it's about a third of our budget, 32%. Uh, that's what we would call operational expenses, but that, frankly, is paying for our buildings. Okay, so this building that we're in right now, uh, we own, we own about half of it. We have a mortgage on it. We're, we're making good progress. We're about on track for about a 10-year mortgage or about half paid off, so about five years to go. I'm paying off this building. We have to make a mortgage make a mortgage payment every month. Okay, we pay rent 
uh, for the Plaza de Sol facilities that we use for our Sunday school classes across the parking lot. We have to pay for our electricity. We have to pay for our water. Those are the type of things that make up operational expenses. And then lastly, that little uh, very small piece uh, that's dark blue or black, uh, that's our savings that I described before, that we're saving money towards a building fund so that we can do something in the future to expand where we are now. Okay, so that's how we did in 2012. As we look forward to 2013, though, I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians. I want to read a a passage here as we consider 2013 and maybe how we could improve going forward. So 2 Corinthians 9. And I'll read a couple verses starting in verse 6. This is Paul writing a letter to the church in Corinth. And he is encouraging them that as he's going to come and visit on a missionary visit to get their gift. They said they were going to have a gift to give him, a financial gift. Uh, And he's encouraging them to get it ready. Okay, And he says the point of this, starting in verse 6, the point of this is, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And he goes on to talk about God providing richly through his grace so that we can provide uh, for others as well. So as we look forward to 2013, a couple principles I think we can draw uh, about giving. Okay, number one, that God owns it all. Okay, so um, the things that we have, the material possessions and the wealth that we have, it really is God's and he's given it to us uh, for us to use. Okay, and number two, God requires faithfulness and rewards faithful stewards. Okay, think of the parable of the talents. Most of you all are familiar with that. Okay, that God requires us to be faithful, and as we're faithful, God rewards us. You know, Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with their wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then... Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. There's a cause and effect there. Okay, number three, God gives us the ability to earn income and all material wealth comes from him. Just like uh, you all, okay, I go to to work and have a job and I work hard and I like to be uh, rewarded for that. I like to be compensated for my hard work and, and you work hard and God blesses it. But guess what? The ability to earn, work, the ability to work, the ability to have a job. Okay, that's a blessing from God. And the things that we earn through that job okay, are a result of God's faithfulness and God's goodness to us. Number four, God loves a cheerful giver. That came right out of the Second Corinthians passage. Okay, he doesn't want you to be begrudging and giving with a resentful heart. He wants you to be cheerful in, you get, in the way that you give. And then lastly, the tithing is a biblical principle. And really the principle there is proportional giving. Okay, we could spend a message or a series of messages talking about giving and we could un- unpack that and we could argue the 10%. But I'll just tell you that the principle in the Bible is that God wants us to give in proportion to how he's blessed us. And the way you do that is by giving that percent. Okay, and biblically 10%, you could probably consider that to be maybe the minimum standard. 
And I think God encourages us to go beyond 10%, but that's kind of a good rule of thumb. Proportional giving and 10% is probably a rule of thumb. Okay, so I, I talked about how we did in 2012, and I showed you the pie chart. And as we go forward into 2013, okay, what we've looked at is if we continue to do all the things we're doing right now, basically the same that we did in 2012, it's going to cost us about $625,000. It's going to be, there's some increases, particularly in health insurance. Uh, that's a whole other story, but there's some increases there. And so really not in, changing anything we do is going to be about 625. So what you're going to see in the bulletins starting next week is a goal that'll get us to 625, about 52,000 a month. We're going to continue to have that building fund. But you know what? We would like to go beyond 625. God wants to do great things here at Grace Bible Church. And we just need some resources to do it. Okay? And we talked about, uh, before I talked about the building committee, and let's explain a little bit about that, how that's played out this year. About a year ago, uh, Dave identified and the elders identified a critical need to really de- determine, discern what God's will would be for us as we go forward as a body. Okay, we prayed about that. And, and one of the things uh, that we looked at is just a map. We took uh, some of the data about who attends church and kids in the nursery and those kind of things. And we put some data, we, we just kind of drew a couple circles around where is our population that attends GBC? Okay, and that's what those circles represent up there. And if you see the little pin right there in the middle is our Winkler, the building we're in right now on Winkler, okay, across from uh, Long Tremere, across Mellison High School. We are smack dab in the middle of where God, what we believe God wants us to minister. And so we had an opportunity to consider purchasing some land out in Harker Heights. Uh, it looked very appealing to us. We prayed about it, and we were, were convinced that God, want, hey, God has us here exactly where he wants us to be. We're close to the people that live at Fort Hood, live in Colleen, and then the, on the outer reaches, uh, Coppers Cove and Harker Heights, and even some in uh, Temple and Belton. But we're kind of right situated in a strategic location. Okay, but the current facilities probably aren't going to last us as we continue to grow. So we formed a building committee, as I mentioned, Fred Shelton, Oscar Rocco, others, okay, and we've begun to develop a plan for how can we use this four to five acres that we have here at this location now? How could we build some additional facilities? And we've worked with an engineer. We actually have some initial thoughts on what a building might look like and where it might go and how we might develop this land. But guess what? Okay? It's going to be about, depending on how we do it, okay, phase, maybe two phases, but it's going to be a million to two million dollars to build the kind of worship center and the facilities that we believe God would have us have here at GBC. Okay, so remember I said in 2012, we, we set aside a building fund about $50,000. Okay, that's good. Okay, it's going to take a lot of $50,000 to get us to a million. I am like an engineer. I can do that math. Okay, it's going to take us a little while. So we would like, we want, I used to encourage you all to, to wrestle with God and consider what he would have you do with your finances. That's between you and God. Okay, but I know that as a body, okay, if we all were doing what God would have us do, we would well exceed that 625. We could begin to do some exciting other things in ministry and in future facilities as well. Okay, and lastly, let's consider a global outreach. I know I'm down to it on time. 
Uh, but uh, global outreach is one of our core practices, and it's partnering with people who bring hope to every nation. We really take that uh, out of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, uh, and also Acts 1-8. If you could turn in your Bibles over to Acts 1-8, okay, on page 909. Okay, this is Jesus giving some instructions to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. In Acts 1.8, he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So as we look at global outreach at Grace Bible Church, we really have kind of modeled our strategy uh, based on Acts 1.8. Okay, so in Acts 1.8, it starts with, the disciples are in Jerusalem. Okay, so in Jerusalem is the near. Okay, so we support, we use some of that, okay, again, math, 10% of $600,000, about $60,000 that we invest in missions, and we take a portion of that, and we want to support ministries that are going on right here in the central Texas area. Okay, then we want to take some of those resources and invest them in what I would call mid-range. Uh, these are places that, um, aren't right here. You might have to fly or drive your car a long way to get there. Uh, the culture is a little bit different. The language is probably different, but not radically different. And the, and the gospel is not um, opposed, that those cultures are somewhat open or, or maybe completely open to the gospel. Those would be the mid-range, like places like Spain and Germany, Mexico and Guatemala. Okay, and then we want to also take some of our resources and we want to uh, partner with folks that are bringing the Gospels uh, in Acts 1-8 to the ends of the earth. These are places that are more dangerous, that are more difficult to get to, where the Gospel is, is not uh, free to be preached, uh, where people might get put in jail uh, for proclaiming the Gospel or maybe even having a Bible. So that's kind of our strategy. And so in 2000, what did we do in 2012? Well, okay, we spent, uh, we invested about $60,000 to support some folks Okay, this shows you the near. Okay, so we talk about near ministers. We're talking about the navigators. We're talking about young life. We're talking about Campus Crusade. Uh, we're talking about folks like the Davises that are, uh, that are a daughter church, a church plant that we sent off that are in the Houston area uh, in Pearland that are working uh, with a church to establish a church there. Okay, we look at the mid-range. and highlight a couple of things here because one of the things we like to do with the mid-range is provide opportunities for you all to participate. It'd be difficult to send you to some of those far places, but we could partner together and we could send folks to Guatemala. Okay, in this past year, we did pretty well. We sent uh, two groups, one in the spring led by Stephen Watson. I see many of you out there took part in that. Okay, and then we also sent uh, some of our elders down and a couple other folks just recently in December. Okay, what do we do in Guatemala? I love these pictures because they show uh, ministering to folks physically. You can see Mike Harris uh, pulling somebody's tooth. That looks kind of bad. Um, you can see building stoves uh, for people that don't, can't afford to have a regular stove in their, in their home. And then you can see interaction with kids and with others, bringing the gospel, encouraging folks to grow spiritually. So great example of a mid-range is Guatemala. Okay? Germany is another over the past several years, we've sent uh, groups of you all, groups from GBC, 
uh, over to Germany to help uh, Frank Leeson uh, and the Young Life uh, effort there in, uh, in Germany. And there you can see we appreciate the Sheltons, Fred and Alana Shelton leading that group uh, this past summer. Uh, it looks exciting. Again, a place that can be reached. You get on a plane, go to Germany, and you're not going to get thrown in jail for, for encouraging folks with the gospel. Okay? Some of our resources, though, we want to invest in places where the gospel uh, is not readily available. The ends of the earth where countries and cultures that are opposed to the gospel where the percent of Christians is probably less than a, a fraction of a percent. Okay, so we have uh, folks that are serving in these type of countries doing things like translating the Bible into a language where people could actually have it in their own language. Bringing medical missions to encourage and to meet physical needs as a way of sharing Christ. And going and teaching English as a second language. So places like Turkey and Lebanon and Malaysia and the United Arab Emirates. The resources that you all have partnered with us this past year, okay, rolled into providing support for people that are serving in those types of places. That just shows you a little pie chart of percentage-wise how we like to use that uh, global outreach mission. So, as we go into 2013, how could you participate in global outreach? We talked about this recently in our small group, and we kind of came to the conclusion that as Christians, we're either to go or to send, support those who have decided to go. Okay, so I would encourage you to consider how you could partner with missions. And I, I meant to mention earlier, but we really, really appreciate the generosity of the body on those short-term mission trips, the trips to Guatemala and the trips to Germany this past year. Okay, those weren't taken all out of budget. Some of it was out of budget, but a lot of it was fundraising that was done by the people that were on those teams that went out and contacted relatives and people like you, and you all contributed. And we very much appreciate your generosity. That's a way of partnering in terms of global outreach. I mentioned, too, that we have a global outreach committee in our church, okay, or a missions committee, uh, and we would love to have uh, some of you all serve uh, on that committee to help make decisions about where we spend our money and who we support and just, frankly, encouraging those people that are serving uh, in far-off and dangerous places. Uh, we also have a need for a chairman. Now, I mentioned that we have a, a town of turnover. Okay, One of the folks that, or the families that we lost this past year were the Lou's. Okay, Bob and Haiti Liu had served in China on the mission field for many years, and they came to us and joined with us for a few years. Okay, and Bob served as the chairman of our Global Outreach Committee. Incredible resource. He had lots of experience and lots of good ideas, but they've been called to a different church, uh, and they've left, and now we kind of have a, a, a hole, a gap. Chris Webster's filling in. We appreciate that. Uh, but in the meantime, we're looking for somebody who might be willing and equipped and talented to be able to serve uh, in that way. So, in conclusion, I know you're all waiting for that. In conclusion, what, what's what do you think 2013 is going to hold for you? We don't know. Lots of unknowns in the world. Lots of unknowns in our country. We don't know what uh, events are going to take place in 2013, but I think we can know a couple things for sure. I think we can know, number one, that God is faithful. He's been faithful to us in 2012 and beyond. 
He's been faithful to us as individuals. He's been faithful to us as families. He's been faithful to us as a church. And I know we can count on God to be faithful as we go into 2013. But I think God wants to do great things. I know God wants to do great things here at Grace Bible Church in 2013. God could just do them. But in the system that he set up and in his way of arranging things, he really wants to partner with us on doing those great things. And it takes us stepping out, stepping forward to partner with God and to participate. Not that we're earning God's favor, but we have the privilege and the opportunity to cooperate with God and to, and to step out. So I'm not a big New Year's resolution type of guy, okay? But I would consider, ask you to consider as we go approach 2013, what are just a couple things, what, two things, three things that you could do reflecting back on 2012, that you could do in 2013 that would further your walk with Christ, that would enable you to go further with your family, that would help partner with us here at Grace Bible Church and the things that we're about. I'd like to close with uh, a verse from Philippians. Turn over uh, to page 981. You know, Paul used the analogy of the Christian life being like a race being like a boxing match or an athletic event. And I'm, like I told you before, I like sports, okay? And, and Paul encouraged us to run the race as if we're going to win the prize. The box like we're going to win, okay? So in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, I actually pick it up on 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So I just encourage you as we go into 2013 to put your eyes on that prize, okay? To train and to run in such a way like you want to win the prize. God has great things in store for you. God has great things in store for us. Lord Jesus, as we uh, look back over 2012 and, and even the years before that, we want to thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we want to thank you that, that you've seen us through difficult times. Lord, as we consider last year, we know there's some very good things that happened in our nation, in our country, here at Grace, in our families. There are some challenges. There are some difficult things that happened, yet you remain faithful, and for that we thank you. Lord, as we look forward to 2013, we pray that you would continue to bless Uh, These people, these families, continue to bless our work here. We thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with you. We thank you for the privilege of being able to minister and help people grow in their relationship with you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.